Well, happy Father's Day. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I stole that. Um, so, turns out, tanks are not as easy to drive as you would, as you would think they are. They're, they're, they're kind of tough. It's funny, because when we found this thing, I got so angry, because where was this thing when I was a kid? I mean, it's amazing. You, like, it's even got like a tow hook on it and everything. Uh, so, dads, if you haven't asked anything for Father's Day, you're welcome. You're welcome for that. Uh, cool thing, so uh, that thing is not real, in case you don't know. It's not a real tank, everybody. It's a toy. Um, this, however, is real. Um, this is a helmet from a tank driver. Um, uh, one of our SOs here at Revolution let me borrow it. Um, and uh, he, was, uh, he was stationed in Bosnia and um, used this while he was... He was driving a tank in Bosnia. That didn't have anything to do with the message. It's just super interesting that I have it. So anyhow, hope you're doing well. Um, we are going to uh, start John chapter 13 today. And um, the cool thing about what we're gonna talk about, in case you didn't notice, um, we're not talking about tanks, um, but we are going to talk about battle and a specific battle that Jesus is about to prepare his disciples for. And it's funny how when we you know, get to these certain passages, and Jason's talked about this, I've talked about this, it's just funny how they line up so well and are so pertinent to the day that we're on or what's going on in our world that, that we need to address. It's almost like there's a God and it's, it's like he's given us a living, living word to read that applies to our lives on a daily basis, which is amazing. And this is you know, no different. Today, Jesus, and I'm gonna set this up for you um, as before we get into uh, the text, that I wanna help you understand some context of where uh, the disciples, Jesus and the disciples are. So they're, they are in, uh, they are eating dinner, they're in an upper room, they're alone by themselves, and Jesus takes this opportunity to prepare to the, the disciples for a fight that's about to happen, a battle that's about to happen, not only for, for him specifically, but also for these 12 dudes that are in the room with him. And he takes this time, and what he's doing in, in this this specific passage, what he's doing is he is becoming or he is displaying his fatherly relationship to his disciples. Probably um, one of the most intimate discipleship fathering times that we see Jesus have with his disciples, which as dads should translate to us, how we father how we disciple. And the cool thing is, is that this is not just talking about fathering specifically, but it does point out something interesting in that as men, because fathering has a lot to do with men, I don't know if you knew that or not, but as men, we are called to father or disciple whether they are our biological children or not, whether they live in our household 
or not, or if God has just given us an opportunity to step into their lives as a fatherly figure. Because I, I know for me, I didn't grow up with a great dad, but God certainly provided for me along the way men that stepped into my life that fathered me and, and showed me, displayed for me the traits of my heavenly father, became the hands and feet of Jesus in my life. They corrected me. They encouraged me. So, man, I want you to hear today the words of Jesus and how he discipled these men that he chose. But the relationship was much deeper than that. It was fathering. He loved them. He stepped into their lives. And especially in this moment, in such a crucial time, when there's about to be a, a transition for both Jesus and these men, he stepped in at such a crucial time in their lives. And he fathered them. He loved them. He encouraged them. You got your Bible. Let's dive in today. John chapter 13, and we got a good bit of scripture to go through to get the context of, of, of this passage. We're gonna go one through 17. Now, when you look at this title, if you have this title in your Bible that you're looking at, I'm gonna tell you what the title is here. For me, it says, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And when you look at that, you're like, well, Chad, this, that doesn't, what you're saying and the title of what we're about to talk about really don't add up. Well, most of the time they don't. If we think of a military battle or a fight physically, that's true. But Jesus is about to do something so much more for them and to help them understand a different kind of perspective on what they're about to experience. Let's start in verse one, and we're gonna, we're gonna point out a couple of things in the first three verses that are really important for us to understand as we move on. Verse one, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. We'll stop there for just a second. John is writing this down. This is, this is not Jesus writing this down. I, I just wanna point that out because I know it's obvious, but just so you have a context in your mind, this is John writing this down about Jesus, which I think is amazing because we're getting John's perspective about his relationship with Jesus. This is not Jesus tooting his own horn here. This is, this is John writing down with integrity because it's part of his own experience with Jesus, he is writing down about his relationship and, and how even up till this time, how Jesus had loved and cared for these men. And John gives us an insight in this, which I think is so important for us to understand even moving forward through, this, through this, the rest of this passage. Because it gives such a concrete foundation of how Jesus led, how Jesus interacted with these men. 
And there's an authenticity to, to his writing about Jesus and his relationship. We know that John was very close to Jesus. He was the beloved disciple. He's the one that Jesus was the closest to in the 12. And John gives us such a clear account of, of his relationship with Jesus and how he led, and he says something so specific. He says, even before Jesus was, he, you know, he knew he was about to go back to the Father, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. All of them. Now we know that there was one in this group that was in this room that was going to betray him. John doesn't exclude that. I want you to look at this. During the supper, verse two, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. So we know one in the group was going to betray him, even though, and, and, and even though he was there, John points out, he, he loved these guys till the end. He didn't give up on them till the, till the very end, which says something about who Jesus is and how Jesus operates, not just towards these guys that are in the room physically with him, but it should give us insight into how Jesus feels about us as well. Because if we are to approach the rest of this passage correctly, we have to understand that all of us, because we look at Judas and we're like, oh, he was a terrible guy. We've all betrayed Jesus. And I just want us to be on the same plane here so that we understand where we sit. We have all at one point in our lives, we have betrayed Jesus. Because we're sinful. We have come against our God because of our sin. And we have to start there because if we don't, we are under false pretenses that, that we are in a position that we are absolutely not. But can I tell you the good news? Even though all of us in this room have betrayed Christ, we put the nails in his hands. We put the spear in his side. We place that crown on his head. He never gave up on any of us. I want you to hear me say that before we even move on. And, and dad specifically, I want you to hear me say this today. God has not given up on you no matter what. He has not given up on you. Now Judas, John points out, is in the room. He points him out specifically because of his betrayal. But something very interesting too that I, we have to know as we move on, particularly two fathers, which is, this is so fascinating. John mentions Judas's dad, because he says, during supper when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, 
Now, there, there is a, a theory out there, and I'm not saying this is absolutely historical fact, but I'm gonna make a point with it, even though it may or may not be true. I don't know if we have enough evidence to, for me to say, yeah, this is actually what happened. But there is speculation that Simon here in this passage may be Simon the leper. Jesus healed. It was Simon the leper's house that Jesus was in when his feet were anointed with the perfume that we read a few weeks ago. Interesting. Judas, at that time, during that story, he he rebukes the whole act and says, well, we we should have taken that and sold it because it was a lot of money and given the money to the poor. But John points out in that passage that Judas just wanted to keep the money for himself. Simon, if this is true, Simon was actually a Pharisee and may have set up this episode with Judas. The one thing I wanna point out about this is, and again, that may not be historical fact, but it still plays into the same fact, no matter who Simon was, that his influence was upon his son. And, and like it or not, as, as dads or, or leaders in general, you have to understand that your actions and what you do influences the, those who you are over, those who you father, those who you disciple. I know that my dad had a big impact on who I was for a long time and my perspective on what fatherhood was, even my perspective on who God was and how he treated and and acted and loved me. And all of us, whether your dad was present or not, even his absence has a profound, very, Profound, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Impact, thank you, thank you. We're all in this together, right? But that's what dads do, specifically. They do have a profound impact on who we are and what we do, and it may be right or wrong. And what Jesus is gonna lay out here in the next few passages is for us as fathers, specifically men, that's what Jesus is, he is preparing these men to do. We have the opportunity to to step into a correct fathering role or an incorrect fathering role where we impact the next generation, generation and help them understand who their heavenly father is and operate in that or we turn them in a different direction. But I wanna remind you, no matter what kind of man you've been up to until this point, no matter what kind of father you've been up until this point, no matter what kind of leader you've been to, you've been up to this point, Jesus has not given up on any of us. And we will all fail and we're all gonna fall short. We have to understand that. Jesus is walking through this process with us. but we've gotta give Jesus a chance to father us, to step into that role and teach us what it means. And that's what Jesus is gonna do 
with these 12 guys right here. Okay. Jesus knew that the Father, verse three, Jesus knew that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. Verse four. Rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, laid it around his, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what am, I do, uh, what am I doing, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my, my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. Verse 11. For he knew he was to, he, he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. Jesus, at this point, um, he could have just come to, to Peter, because he had already, it says he'd already washed the disciples' feet. He could have come to Peter and be like, yeah, I'm tired. I don't, I don't want to wash your feet. I know where those things have been. I've already washed these others. You know, I've, I've done what I'm supposed to do. You're right, Peter. I don't, I don't need, you're good. You're fine, right? But Jesus stepped into a very significant point of time with Peter to help him understand something very significant. He didn't pull back because of maybe his discomfort or his tiredness or anything else, but he stepped into a very specific moment because Jesus understood his role as a discipler. He understood his role as a father. And it's not any different for us. And for us to be good fathers and for, for us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, we have to understand what Jesus is doing with Peter because we have to do the same thing. We have to set standards a lot of times with our words, but then we have to normalize those standards with our actions. We've all heard the phrase, do as I say, not as I do, right? That ain't what we're talking about. Some of, I know none of you in this room have said that phrase, except for those who chuckled a little bit. I'm just kidding. I've said that phrase. But Jesus doesn't father like that. In this moment, he steps into exactly what Peter needs Right then, he sets a standard. He pushes back on Peter because Peter's got a certain perspective of what Jesus should do and what Jesus should be, and Jesus pushes back on him and says, nope, 
Unless I do this, you have no part of me. I have to for you to understand and for me to prepare you for what's about to happen. And if I don't do this, you won't understand, therefore it won't be repeated. So Jesus sets a standard. And then he normalizes that standard with his actions. Because at this point, Jesus takes off his master's robe as the master of this dinner, this ceremony, the one in charge, and he puts on a servant's cloth. That's not what he should have done. It's contrary to his position and title. It's contrary to what even these guys wanted him to do and be. They wanted him to move in the other direction and he moves towards a servant, not towards a king. He goes completely against what these guys have, I mean, they're chomping at the bit for Jesus to rip open his shirt and say, yep, let's go take the hill, boys. But Jesus doesn't do that because he's preparing them for something much greater than they can see but Jesus can see it clearly. And the reason I tell you this is, is, and where the rubber meets the road in this is really important because this doesn't need to be some idea that, oh, that's a good idea, yeah. I need to set standards and I need to normalize them with my behavior. But where the rubber meets the road is is when we have to step into tough conversations like Jesus did with those we lead, i.e. our children, our wives, those we lead on a daily basis at, at our job or as we coach people, as we disciple people. That's where the rubber meets the road. And I hear people say this phrase to me all the time. And it's, it's, it's very, again, it's very contrary. It's a, it's a very Peter statement. And it's, it is very contrary to scripture. And as dads, it is a phrase that will stop our growth and it will stop the growth of those that we disciple. And the phrase that people use is, well, I don't need to fight every battle. I don't need to fight every battle. I need to, I need to pick my battles. I, I, need to, I need to pick the battles that I fight. And here's the problem when we get in that mode or that mindset that, that we're, we're just picking our battles is that we begin to pick less and less battles as we move forward. Well, I don't know if that's a, that's a battle I need to, to pick today. And that may be one for, for mom to handle. And that's not how Jesus teaches us as fathers. 
dads, you need to have these kinds of conversations with your sons and your daughters. When your daughter walks down the steps and she's wearing something that is way too revealing for her to go to school in, you need to step into that moment and be like, babe, you are much more valuable than that. I need you to turn around and go change. You need to have that conversation because she needs to understand that she is much more than a sexual object and she needs to hear it from you because she, knows, she needs to know that her value is not placed in how much skin she can show, but in her relationship with Christ, reinforced by your love for her. Dads, you need to step into conversations with your son. I have a 13-year-old, and I have these conversations with him often. Are they fun? No. Do I like having them? No. But I ask him often, has anybody introduced you to porn? Have you looked at it? Let me see your phone. Let me see your computer. He knows, and I tell him often, I am protecting you from something that can destroy your life because it's gonna give you a false reality that is not true of what real intimacy is with a woman. We've got to step into those tough conversations. And that's what Jesus did with Peter. He didn't say, well, I'm tired from a long day's work. Or I'm, I just don't feel like having that conversation. Or I, I just, I don't know how to have that conversation, so I'm not going to. That is not an excuse. I tell my son all the time, I know it feels like I'm fighting against you, but I'm actually fighting for you. When I go in his room and I unplug his PlayStation and I chunk it out the window in the front yard, I don't really do that, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, I want to sometimes, you know what I'm saying? I really want to, real bad. But when, I, when stuff like that happens, I have to remind him, so I have to tell him. I don't come in there in a rage and just you know, start tearing everything apart, but I help him understand in that moment, listen, I know it feels like I'm fighting against you, but I'm actually fighting for you. Because I know What's gonna get you to your next step as a man in life? Because I've had men step in and help me, and I wanna help you. First point, and I gotta move on real fast. Fight every battle. Fight all of them. Every single battle you have to fight, step into it and fight it. Now, I'm, and I have to clarify this. Don't pick fights. That's not what I'm saying. Not, don't pick fights. That's, don't step in and just you know, use every opportunity. But when an opportunity presents itself for you to step into a battle with your wife, with your kids, those you disciple, or those that you have been given the opportunity to lead, fight it. Don't slide it over to somebody else. Don't make excuses. Even if... The fight is when you step in there, you say, I don't know if I'm gonna do this right. 
but I'm stepping in here anyways because I love you. Man, how valuable and vulnerable is that? Or, hey, I don't know what I'm doing right now. I don't really know. Or say, I don't even know what scripture says about this. But we need to fight this together. Let's go figure it out. Let's open up our word and let's go find the answer. Man, what a valuable conversation for us to have with anybody. Our sons, daughters, wives, anybody. That is such a valuable conversation. And vulnerable, man, that's tough. But gosh, what fruit would that yield, men, if we took that position on a regular basis that I don't know the answer, but I'm stepping into it. Come on. Okay. Verse 12. When he washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done for you. I'm gonna give you this point real quick, and I'm gonna unpack it. Fight every battle with the right weapons. Fight every battle with the right weapons. Because what, what I want you to understand is the expectation that these guys had on Jesus was at any moment for Jesus to say, guys, I need you to go buy some swords and shields and the best horses that you can. We're riding up to the temple or we're riding up to the palace and we're gonna take down anybody we can. And they would have believed that everything, I mean, was gonna, everything was gonna stop as far as Rome is concerned because they have the son of God on their side Hello. We're going to start fighting and then these like million angels are going to come behind us and we're all just going to destroy everybody and it's going to be amazing. That literally, that's what they thought. And Jesus is saying to them, listen, you are fighting not only the wrong battle, you are fighting with the wrong weapons. And he asked them, do you, do you, you really get what I've done? Do you understand what I've, what I've done for you? And Jesus begins to turn this whole paradigm in this moment on their head as he transitions and prepares them to fight a different battle. Because what's about to happen with these guys is they are about to transition from following Jesus and Jesus just correcting them all the time and you know, putting people's ears back on when Peter, when Peter chops them off, stuff like that. That really happened, if you don't know, go back, you'll read it. But that's what happens. Jesus is there to correct their every move, but Jesus knows in just literally a, a few short days, their whole life is about to be turned upside down because he ain't gonna be there no more. Not in a physical sense. They're, go, they're about to go from foot soldiers to generals just like that. After a traumatic experience where you know what happens on the cross, Jesus gets brutally murdered. And Jesus is trying desperately at this moment to pull everything that they, he has taught them together so they understand what weapons they need to use that aren't gonna be swords and shields and horses and chariots, 
but the weapons they're, they're gonna use are love and humility, service and sacrifice. Because Jesus is playing a different game. And I've said this before, and I, I probably say it every time I speak. Jesus <laughs> was not gonna play a game that just lasted for one generation. He was playing a game that would last for generation after generation after generation to the point that you sit here under the teaching of him. Your lives are being changed because Jesus didn't fight the way his disciples wanted him to. And his disciples finally got it too. The thing I want you to hear that Jesus points out in, in this is that I know that some of us in here, maybe we've been fighting with the wrong weapons. We've been fighting with junk like that that shoots this little plastic bullet maybe 10 feet. When spiritually Jesus has asked us to get into an M1 and fire as fast as possible. He's given us the weapons that we need, but for some reason we just won't step into them. We feel more comfortable in this. We feel more secure in this because maybe it just lowers the responsibility level. If I, oh, I can just, I don't have the right weapons. I can't really win if I, you know, if I don't have the right weapons. If I, if I don't know what my Bible says, I'm not really responsible for it. If I haven't been taught what to do, then I don't know that I necessarily have a responsibility to step into it. When Jesus says, listen, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying for you to do this alone. I'm with you. Not only am I with you, but I've given you exactly what you need. Man, I'm begging you today. Stop fighting your battles with the wrong weapons. Stop fighting your battles with the wrong tactics. And if, if you are and you do feel ill-equipped, it's time to start some training. It's time to figure out what it means what Jesus would do in certain instances so that when you step into the battles that you keep losing over and over again, you, you, you step into, you get the opportunity to step into those moments and see God give you victory. Maybe even for the first time. Last two verses. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor his master greater than the one who sent him. Verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you what? Do them. If you do them. Jesus makes a very significant statement as he closes us out. Helps us understand that you need a master. You need somebody that's going to send you with a message. 
Not for us to step into moments and us just make up stuff based on what we've experienced from maybe a deficient father figure, but to help for, for us to step into a relationship with Jesus and help him understand how to father, how a good father does it well. Because Jesus says, a servant's not greater than his master. And we all need one of those. We all need people that are gonna step in to our lives, help mentor us, help guide us, give us feedback, even correct us when we just haven't done things well so we don't do that again. But it takes a lot of humility. It takes putting off our, our arrogant attitude or our false strength that we try to project to everybody around us sometimes and humbling ourselves and saying, man, I, I don't know how to do this. Maybe I need to go find somebody that can mentor me, that can father me. Last point, fight every battle with the right weapons and the right people. You don't have to fight this alone. You don't have to do this by yourself. And I, I wanna lay this out for you real clear. Dads, if you, if you feel like you're ill-equipped to father your own children, look for somebody around you that maybe their kids have grown up and they love Jesus and they're doing well and go to them and say, hey, can I buy you lunch? I, I just have a few questions about how you've parented your kids. Men in this room, if, if, you're, if you're struggling in your marriage relationship with your wife and you, you don't know what to do, you've been struggling for a while, find some men around you that, that you can talk to. Humble yourself and, and find some guys that, that have marriages that you want yours to look like and go to them. Important phrase, can I buy you lunch? I just need to ask you a few questions. Man, if, you've got, if, if you feel ill-equipped to communicate scripture and the standard of the Bible in your household, but you know some men around you that are, that are good at that, go to them and say, hey, can I buy you? I need to ask you a few questions. I thought about this Thursday before this last thing, and I want you to hear me, men in this room. I am absolutely convinced to the core of my soul that the next great awakening in our world is not going to come from a platform like this. It's not gonna come from an arena filled with thousands of people. 
It's gonna come from a dad kneel down on the side of his child's bed praying with them at night. Please step into that role. This world needs fathers that have been fathered. My last point. Fathers can't be fathers unless they have been and are being fathered themselves. Now, you look at that phrase, and well, that's true. I can't be fathered unless I was fathered. Physically, yes. That is an undeniable fact. But it's just as true spiritually as it is physically. Men, we all need fathers. If we hope to father those that God is going to send us biologically or not, we need to lift each other up. I had, a, I had an incredible mom, incredible. Strongest woman I know. But I know for me in my own experience, it took strong godly men to step into my life to firsthand show me what it meant to be a man and a dad. And today, I want you to step into that too. Maybe you've never done that. And you can't do it unless you understand who your heavenly father is. That's what they told me. If you've never stepped into a relationship with Jesus, surrendered your life to him, this whole fathering thing is gonna be real tough because you're getting bad information from the world. And God wants to step in to who you are and what you do so that, like Jesus says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let's pray. God, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that you love us enough <laughs> that you don't leave us alone. You haven't given up on any of us, but you step into any situation to redeem it and restore it. That's what you do. And God, I'm so grateful for the men in my life that you have sent that have spoken truth to me, that encouraged me, that have loved me, that have shown me who you are. God, I pray in this room that you would create an army of those type men. That you would start a movement of fathers and disciple makers that step into those roles with confidence not in themselves, but in what you have done, what you have started.
confident that you finish whatever you begin, that you don't fail, and you've just invited us to come in and be a part of what you're doing to redeem the world. Today, God, I, I pray. I pray for some of these dads that sit in the room that may feel like they have just failed or they're ill-equipped to do the task that has been given to them. Maybe there are some fathers in this room that have never surrendered their life to Christ, but it's time. It's time to start fighting with the right weapons. If that's you, and you're ready to surrender to Jesus today and ask him to help you, equip you, strengthen you, to save you. If that's you today, I want you to pray this with me. And I'm nothing magical about this. I'm just helping you say the words. That's it. You can say your own if you want to. But it goes like this. Heavenly Father, I give my life to you today. I am trusting you with everything that I am because I know that you're a good father that proved it by sending Jesus on the cross. God, please save me today. Teach me how to be the man you want me to be. If that's you in this room, women as well, if, if it's time for you to step into the role that God has given you, <laughs> the prayer's not much different. But if that's you today, I want you to do something really bold in this room. I want you to put your hand up as high as you can. We've got men and women walking around. They just want to put a gift in your hand, help you start this journey. The gift is scripture to help you set the standard in your life and those around you. For the rest of us in this room, maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time but it's time for you to shift your focus to maybe what you think a, a dad or a man should do and be to what Jesus is clear about. That men are not about arrogance and self-indulgence, but they're about sacrifice. They're about love and humility. And with those weapons, they will begin to see victories that they've so longed for in their life. And if that's you today, ask God to help you. Ask him to step in. And what I've found is he does.
God, we love you and we thank you for what you have done today. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.